0: A song of the wonder of him who was willing to come to earth from glory. Living to serve, suffer, and die. So that he might rescue those who will believe. A song that recognizes God the Father's honor of his Son. A song of praise to Jesus Christ. So here we go. Would you join me in sing... Okay, say (laughs) this song with me. I know you just got settled into your seats, but since we often stand when we sing, maybe you'd stand with me as we say this song together. Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not have equality with God, a thing to be grasped. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of God the Father. Amen. You may be seated. This hymn starts out speaking of the pre-incarnate glory of the Son of God. But. To explain that, we better back up a little. Who is God? (laughs) The first thing any and everyone needs to know about God is that He must be eternal. And uniquely so. The number one scripture that God had beat into the heads of believers before Christ. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. They even gave it a name, the Shema. Shema is the first word in Hebrew, Here, (laughs) Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Now, they all thought one was simply numerical. Now, they understood as we can that logically there can be only one infinite eternal God. It doesn't work any other way. So the NLT translators rendered the Shema, listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. The Hebrew word for one can also mean unique, without parallel or peer. Similar to, but stronger than our one, Uh, more like one and only, (laughs) the ultimate one of a kind. So how does this relate to the pre-incarnate, before he became man, Glory of Jesus. We understand that there is one God and that he is one, the Lord alone. We know that the Father is God, of course. Many times in the Old Testament, God is called a Father to Israel. So all believers have always known that. Jesus said it too, although he said it differently than anyone ever had. For he said, my Father And those original disciples of Jesus, the ones who walked and talked with him, recognized an amazing truth. The Son is God. Well, that's easy to see. He rose from the grave, right? Also, the Father called him his unique Son. So this seems clear enough. But Jesus introduced another person who is clearly God. The Holy Spirit is God. His work was manifest early in the church, and those who belong to the Father through the work of the Son have the Spirit living within them, just as Jesus said. Also, Peter directly referred to Him as God. This is all clear in the Bible. These persons are closer in relationship than anything we can imagine uh, or will ever experience. So close are these persons that early in the church some heretics thought no persons can be this close. <laughs> and so they proposed that really this was all just one person presenting himself in different modes. First is the Father, then is the Son, and last the Spirit. And this is complete heresy, by the way. Uh, the Scriptures are clear. The Father is not the Son. The Son is not the Spirit. And the Spirit is not the Father. Remember that today we're talking about the pre-incarnate glory of Jesus Christ, the Son. We're not concerned today with that question, how can there be one God and three obviously distinct persons? But for our quest, we need to be aware that, as theologians say, God is one as to essence and three as to persons. But before the Son lived on the earth, the question of whether the one God in essence could be simultaneously three persons, well, it never came up. Why would it? Uh, But to understand what Christ Jesus, the Son, did for us, we have to consider the fact carefully. You see, unlike us, Jesus existed before he was born, before he became a man. Not as an angel, like the Watchtower Society teaches. Not a man from another planet, like the uh, heretics in Salt Lake City teach. And no, not as a uh, reincarnated from some other animal form. He was, is, and always will be very God. The one, the unique in all His glory. And yet, He became a man. He added a human nature to His person. Made Himself nothing. Taking the form of a servant. He humbled Himself by becoming obedient to the point of death. The person of the Son in his human nature experienced what the Son in his divine nature never could. He experienced death, even death on a cross. I and mean, What kind of love is this? <laughs> that someone would be willing to experience death to save us for the glory of God the Father. Wow. His humiliation included becoming a servant. Jesus said that he came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Giving his life as a ransom was the reason he came, but he lived an entire life of service. The person of the Son, the creator of all things, the Lord that is master of all that is, became a servant. Chose to experience serving. Okay. Imagine you're a billionaire. Not quite sure how to imagine that. But I can think of a few things. Servants. Cleaning my house, mowing my lawn, servants buying my clothes, laying out my clothes each morning, cleaning my clothes, servants driving me wherever I needed to go in vehicles that they kept immaculately clean. Servants carefully preparing my food, preparing it and serving it to me and my guests. Uh, I'd for sure invite all of you, trust me. (laughs) But what if one day, that's this billionaire <clears throat> that'd be me uh, <laughs> decided to serve his servants. They would not need to concern themselves with attire or transportation or meals. Their boss would do it for them for an entire month well i I wouldn't be able to do it myself, so i 'd invite you for that too. Uh, I mean, come on, I gave you a free meal, right? I mean you didn't even have to clean up afterwards it was great. Uh, <laughs> But we're not talking some lousy billionaire here. We're talking God Himself, the person of the Son, serving us. Christ Jesus, who though He was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. Thing to be grasped. It's a phrase that was used of thieves. (laughs) Basically, Paul's saying that Jesus didn't think it was a ripoff to experience serving us, rather than just experiencing the glory he should, as God eternally enjoy. Instead, experiencing the humiliation of death, even death on a cross. Many believe that Paul's greatest struggle with accepting Jesus as the Christ was the form of his death. Indeed, before God so forcefully brought Paul to belief, he could not believe Jesus was the Christ specifically because he was in every sense humiliated on the cross. How could the Christ be so humiliated? We have to understand how, long, how low the Son was willing to go to become a ransom for us. To bring glory to the Father. The Romans perfected crucifixion to keep people under absolute tyranny. No Roman citizen ever could be subjected to crucifixion as that could be perceived as humbling Rome itself. I mean, even if you saw Mel Gibson's The Passion of the Christ, you don't know at all. These men were exposed in every sense of the word bloody and naked, lifted up from the earth for everyone to gawk at, gasping for breath, screaming in agony until finally hours, sometimes days later, their humility is completed as they hang lifeless for all to see, exposed in their impotence, exposed in their shame. The entire point of crucifixion was to humiliate and debase these men such that no one would ever want to do what they did or even think as they thought. Have this mind among yourselves which is yours in Christ Jesus who though he was in the form of God did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. This mind? This willingness to be so humiliated, so debased, that's how we're supposed to think? Yes. Great indeed, we confess, is the mystery of godliness. He was manifested in the flesh, vindicated by the Spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, taken up in glory. The mystery of godliness. Godliness Godliness isn't about who Jesus is. It's about how we live if we are His. If the God of all the universe is willing to come to serve us, should we not be willing to serve each other? Remember the verses we read last week if you were here? They came just before this glorious Christ hymn. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourself, which is yours in Christ Jesus. We do not live the mind of Christ if we are rivals with another believer. Competing for what? What? <laughs> To be important? To be in charge? Did Jesus seem important when he washed his disciples' feet? Did he seem to be in charge as Roman soldiers viciously scourged him? Do we compete for friends or honors? Where were Jesus' friends when they drug him off to a mock trial? For how much honor did he seek When he chose a bunch of smelly fishermen for disciples, I mean sorry. Uh, His opponents called him a friend of tax collectors and sinners, and it was true. Jesus was and is the person of the Son, infinitely powerful, closer to the Father and the Spirit than we will ever experience with anyone. If anyone would have an excuse for being proud of themselves, it would be the Son of God, right? But he worked as a carpenter. He was friends with fishermen, tax collectors, sinners. He was willing to reach all the way down. Do we have the mind of Christ? Or are we conceited? (laughs) Conceited, having an excessively favorable opinion of one's abilities, appearance, etc., where do we think we got our abilities? <laughs> Who gave us our looks? Conceited, having a high or exaggerated opinion of oneself or one's accomplishment. We have the right attitude. We, we have the will to succeed. We do the right things and we're proud of it. <laughs> Did Jesus do anything from rivalry or conceit? He even said the greatest among you shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled. And whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled. If you belong to Jesus Christ, you're going to be humble. (laughs) If you don't do it yourself, (laughs) he'll help you out. (laughs) Isn't it great to be loved? (laughs) When we consider our duty to serve one another, it is good and necessary to remember what the person of the Son did for us. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. Who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people? Although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth, yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He Yet He bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. Because Christ Jesus, the eternal Son, poured His soul out to death for us, He will be exalted. He said through Isaiah, By Myself I have sworn, from My mouth has gone out in righteousness a word that shall not return. To Me every knee shall bow, every tongue. Shall swear allegiance love the way Paul said it to the Ephesians. And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all, in all. Whew. Jesus humbled himself perfectly. And he is our head, our wise leader, whom we should follow. And he is and will be glorified. Not just as God, the eternal Son, but as Christ Jesus, the perfect man, do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Will we humble ourselves, have a mind like Christ? Let's consider the words that immediately follow the Christ hymn. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Obeyed. The Philippian believers obeyed and counted others more significant than themselves. We should obey. This is, you see, a command. No rivalry, no conceit. Humbly count others more significant. Do we have a will to succeed in this for Christ? Do we do good things for Christ? Or are we proud of our attitude, abilities, and accomplishments? Do we really think that we came up with these ourselves? I mean, it is God who works in us, both to will and to work. It's much better if we work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. But we can do it the hard way. It'll get done. (laughs) Listen to this imaginary workman's side of a conversation with God. Okay, God... I'm gonna give my life as a sacrifice to you. Wait, you heard that? And you like it? Well thanks. So, what am I gonna do for you, Lord? Shovel? Pick up that shovel and do... Wait a minute, Lord. Those are horses. And you want me to shovel their, uh, that, uh, stuff? I didn't really want to do this, Lord. I thought I'd be doing something great for you. Things that everybody would see. Well, yeah, I guess I'm more concerned with what you think than with what they think. All right, Lord, I'll shovel for you. But Lord, why do they get to ride the horses when I have to be down here uh, shoveling? Oh, yes, I remember. The greatest among you will be the servant of all shoveling stuff for Jesus. I think I'll make a song out of that. Really? Really? You think that's a good idea? (laughs) Thanks again. Wait, wait, what? You mean now? Lord, if I sing now, they're all going to notice me down here with my boots all covered in the muck of this world you've got me in. You want them to see me? Here? Do you really want people to point at me and say, there goes one of those Christ followers? What kind of image is that? The image of your son? Ah, I see your point. No, I can't think of anything more humbling than a death on a Roman cross. But he's glorified now. Oh, no. I suppose the world hasn't seen that yet. Yeah, I understand it's not time for that yet. So you really intend us Christians to look like this to the world? Wow, your ways are not my ways, (laughs) but I know they are higher than mine. Thank you, Lord. Make me a servant for you. Hmm. We'll all get it, those of us who believe. And then we'll be like Christ in another way. Soon Paul will remind these Philippian saints that the Lord Jesus Christ will transform our lowly body to be like His glorious body. It is true, as Jesus said, that whoever exalts himself will be humbled. (laughs) And we will all learn to humble ourselves. But Jesus went on to say, whoever humbles himself will be exalted. We have a mind like Christ, if we are His. And all right, it's flawed. (laughs) We trip up all the time. But we already have this mind. One day, the Spirit of Jesus Christ will perfect this mind in us. And then God our Father will exalt us to a far greater degree than we achieved humility. Is it not worth humbling ourselves to gain the inevitable outcome, exaltation at the hands of God our Savior. This will be ours if we have the mind of Christ. Father, thank you so much. As we read these glorious words and sing those songs about your Son, the Christ, The one who chose to come down here to earth to the humblest station to live as a servant and to die easily the most humble death one could die. He went all the way for us. All the way through a Roman cross. But because of who He is, He didn't stay dead. He came back alive. He could not. Be any other way but alive. Because of that, we now have a way through death into the glory that you have for us. So help us, Lord, to humble ourselves, to serve others, to think of other people before us so that we can have the amazing, amazing exaltation at your hand on that day. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this message first heard at Living Hope Church of Westport. Please feel free to worship with us, maybe this next Sunday. You can also join us online at southbeachhope.org. We'd appreciate your financial support if that is possible. We are a tiny church in a small town, but at least with the help of Sermon.net, we can share the good news with you and everyone around the world. Hopefully we'll someday be able to worship God together in person, if not in Westport, at least in the rapture.